Athletes, no matter what sport, love imagining themselves in huge moments and succeeding, making a dramatic play to put their team ahead or sealing a big win. One of these situations is when a batter steps up to the plate with bases loaded, the opportunity for a grand slam. But in reality, with so much potential for this big play comes the stress of squandering the opportunity, often throwing batters off their mental game when it matters most. Welcome to the Sports Psychology Of. I'm Gabe Zellico. Today, we're talking about the sports psychology of going to bat with bases loaded. Ever wonder what goes on in the mind of a batter when they step up to the plate with bases loaded? What kind of mental obstacles are they facing? How does stress actually affect a batter's ability to perform their best? What mental skills do professional ball players use, and how can you start training these skills yourself? To help me answer these questions today is Austin Byler, the founder and CEO of Major League University a top-tier mindset and leadership training company for student-athletes, teams, and businesses. Major League University focuses on positively enhancing student-athletes' performances on and off the playing surface through one-on-one, team, and group training sessions. Their vision is to positively impact millions of athletes, coaches, and families to become the best version of themselves. Timestamps are in the description. Enjoy. Where does your love for the mental game come from, or maybe appreciation for the mental game? Yeah, man, the love and appreciation for it comes from personal experience. I went through a lot of different adversities in my own life and playing career. It was the one thing that held me back for a long time. And it was also the one thing that allowed me to achieve at a really high level for a lot of years. And so uh, when I saw the difference that it made in my game from my freshman to sophomore year in college, uh, it was a massive difference, man. I came in with less tension, less pressure, less negative uh, self-talk, and just a lot of little skills that I'm sure we'll talk about today, and uh, more visualization, more breathing, calm, level-headed, and it just helped me play at a higher level, have more fun, enjoy what I get to do, and I saw the success really continue to rise. Um, when I got in, uh, went to the professional leagues, um, and when I was in the minor leagues, I had a really good season. I was practicing all these things. I had really good routines. I was locked in. My habits were in a good spot, but off the field, I was making the wrong decisions uh, using prescription medications. Uh, I got hurt in college, and it led to a four or five year addiction, which unfortunately, uh, I failed the drug test in professional baseball, which then sent me spinning down the spiral of negativity, comparison, self-doubt, everything that we'll talk about today. And that's where this love really came from. It wasn't just me. I saw a lot of other athletes dealing and struggling with these things. And so for me, I, I figured we need to find a solution. Uh, what better way than somebody who's been through it and has gone there, stood in the shoes of a lot of these athletes and felt that pressure and, and just all those types of things. And so that's where that love was really developed through my own playing career. And now getting to see the athletes and just seeing one little thing change the way they think. And now they go out there and they play with freedom and have fun and they enjoy it. And they're actually playing better. Uh, that's the, that's the reward for us now, man. Yep. That's why I love this too. Yeah. So today we're talking about the sports psychology of going up to bat with bases loaded. So definitely a high pressure situation um, for anyone listening that doesn't understand the situation. Maybe they're not a baseball fan. Can you kind of, explain briefly what this what the situation is like yeah yeah so bases juiced is is one of the best or worst situations to be in depending <laughs> on what side of the spectrum you're on if you're a pitcher it sucks if you're a hitter you should be looking forward to it but sometimes we don't because we feel the pressure of having to drive in all of the runs so what that looks like is there's runners on every single base uh depending on the outs one out two outs zero outs i'll walk through a scenario that happened actually this a couple of days ago team usa versus cuba in the World Baseball Classic, I and mean, what an awesome 
just event this thing has been for baseball and sports in general. And uh, Cuba loaded the bases with nobody out, which is not a good situation for the USA and for the pitcher at all. And all three hits were not good hits. So it, it could have really looked like it was not going their way. And everything that could have went wrong was going wrong. It was crazy. And Adam Wainwright, 18-year veteran in the MLB, one of the best dudes on mental game and routines. He gets out of the jam with only one run, which is a win, a huge win in that situation. But thinking about the hitter and what they're thinking in that situation, you got – 80 to 100,000 people screaming, yelling. You've got your entire country of Cuba watching and everybody in the world, uh, every country in the world pretty much watching this thing. The pressure is on. And so the self-doubt, the self-tie stuff really can affect us or impact us in a positive way. And I saw some good at-bats. I saw some bad at-bats and we'll dive into those. But um, it's definitely a big situation in a baseball environment. Potential for just a massive shift in the game, momentum and the score itself. I mean, if you if you get a home run with bases loaded, it's a grand slam. That's four points right away. So yeah, massive potential or a massive potential for disappointment if you don't capitalize on the situation. So it's really easy to see how your mind can start working against you in this situation. Yeah, you see the momentum swing in the game. And uh, for you, like I think as a hitter, when you're stepping in the box in those situations, it's sticking with your plan and, and keeping it as simple as possible. The only reason we usually mess up or, or struggle in those situations is because we make the moment too big yeah. and way bigger than what it is. And so uh, for a hitter, staying simple for a pitcher, deep breath, find your routines, lock into your target, execute your pitch, focus on this pitch, not the next pitch. And those, it all sounds so simple, but when you're in the moment and you're going through it and your head's spinning out of control, because naturally it will, no matter who you are, what you do, that is the importance is how do you slow the game down, get yourself locked in and stick with your approach. And most of the time it'll work your way, but that's why baseball is such a special sport and athletics are is you can do everything right and still fail. Yeah. And that's the hardest uh, pill to swallow there. So, um, it's always interesting. Uh, I love those situations. Maybe you can speak to experience here, but I think overthinking is very common in this situation. Like you said, the mind is going to start working against you because you're making the moment too big. Can you maybe walk me through some specific thoughts you might see a player having in their mind, repeating to themselves as they're walking up to the plate or as they're in the batter's box during this high pressure moment? I need to get a hit. I need to get a hit. I need to get a hit. I have to get a hit. I have to get a hit. I have to score the run. <laughs> I could go on for hours <laughs> yeah. on this, man. This is a right at my wheelhouse. You set me up for a two Oh fastball right down the middle for all my baseball people. So uh, <laughs> the, the half twos man versus the get twos is we put so much pressure. You said it before we were on air. It's I get way more tense and, and that tension in baseball specifically is the difference in a strong hard hit in the middle of the field or a pop-up or swing and miss It's the difference in me seeing the ball versus not seeing the ball. And everybody can say what they want, but when you have a 98 mile per hour fastball coming in there and you've got balls that are moving different ways and they go on different planes and all the different intricacies of baseball, it's not that easy to just see the ball and hit the ball. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, man, what if he throws this? What if yes. I mess up? I need to get a hit here. A lot of the what ifs. And I think about it as like the fear and the faith bucket. And so if I'm feeding the fear bucket, it's what if I get out? What if things go wrong? What if I mess up? I suck. I can't do this versus the faith bucket is what if things go really well? What if I get a good pitch to hit? What if I drive that pitch in the gap and score two or three runs? Or I hit a grand slam and I score all four. And so that's a, a, a big piece in your self-talk walking up to the dish. And I'm a big believer that no matter what you did before the game, like more is going to happen in that at bat than is going to happen before the game even starts. And so for us, preparing ourselves with good self-talk, sticking with your routines, having things and tools that you could turn to in those moments to just help eliminate some of that pressure, slow down, get your bearings set and lock in uh, with a clear focus. 
Love it. I want to, so we're going to get to tools later on, but I love that fear and faith bucket that I think we're going to dive into more when we talk about reframing. But for now, let's, let's jump a little bit more into this athlete's mindset of them thinking in the future. And these are a lot of the worries of what if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? How is that impacting their game, their focus? Is that, is there any benefits to them thinking that way? Or is this just unequivocally hurting their chances of success? It's a great question, man. I think for the most part, it's hurting their success. I think there's parts where we need to look forward to the future and be grateful for what's coming and, and be optimistic about what's coming. Most of the time, though, if, if we worry about the future, then that's where that fear creeps in and things don't go our way. A prime example is I've been working with a lot of, ironically, it's been a lot of freshmen in college and a lot of freshman baseball players. They're at pretty good schools. They will go in expecting to play. And of course, things don't go as expected and they're not playing. And it's what if I'm here next year and I don't get to play? It's like, dude, that's 12 months away. <laughs> that's yeah. such a long time away. And let alone if we're just going next semester, that's six to eight months still. So for you, you're in the middle of your season. It's just getting rolling. Like this is the most important part of the season. And what I've been telling a lot of our teams and athletes is you can go two ways at this point. It's like I can go right and it's the right way or I can go left and it's the wrong way. And for me, it's which path am I going to choose? Number one. Number two. Like, how can I look forward to the future and what it's going to bring? Because there's a lot of good things that we can look forward to, but not live in the future and, and dwell on the future sometimes or get ourselves in this mental spiral that sometimes happens as an athlete. So for me, it's saying I'm going to recognize the future as part of the deal. And I'm also going to reflect on my past. But what I need to do is I need to find a way to stay in the present moment as much as possible. And that's where the self-talk comes in and those types of things and breathing. But for me, man, I think about it all the time. A lot of these athletes are looking so far um, what's ahead today? What's ahead tomorrow, this weekend? It's like, dude, it's Tuesday. You got three games this weekend starting Friday. You got two or three more days to prepare yourself. Like, let's just get better today. And then tomorrow, let's get a little bit better. And then Thursday, let's keep getting a little bit yeah. better. And so uh, just keeping things in perspective, man, keeping it very, very simple for them, uh, especially over the course of a season. It's worth saying it is completely natural to get stuck <laughs> thinking about the future, thinking about these what ifs because it's important to you. And you can't stop this future-oriented thinking. However, like you said, it's all about, okay, catching yourself thinking maybe a bit irrationally or ineffectively in the mm -hmm. future too often and bringing yourself back to the present. So if you catch yourself thinking about the weekend, thinking about next season, all this stuff, rem reminding yourself, okay, how do I anchor myself to the present moment? It's fine that I was thinking about the future, but the most important part is that response to thinking that way. And mm -hmm. something I wanted to touch on is I think a lot of batters in this moment, in these high pressure situations are definitely looking to the future about what they want to happen, worrying about what might not happen. However, I also think it might be relevant that these batters are also going to be thinking in the past in some way. And where my mind goes is maybe they had this opportunity, bases loaded, had a chance to really help their team out and it didn't go well. And they're mm -hmm. thinking about that last opportunity. And that's, sapping their confidence even more they might also thinking about hey i've faced this pitcher before and he's got my number he knows me i don't i don't do well against him this is another these are just examples of okay the mind is not present and it's not in the future where it often will be however it's still in the past which is hurting your game just as much uh, maybe do you have anything to add about players being in the batter box thinking about the past and not helping not helping their game there's so many of them, man. You you hit on a lot of them. Uh, one, well, two of them for me at least personally that I know I experienced was the the first one is 
I'm having a bad game. I'm 0 for 3. I haven't gotten a hit yet. I need to get a hit. This is my last day. B, if I get a hit, I'm hitting 250. If I don't get a hit, I'm hitting zero for the day. My average goes from 305 to 302. And so you start calculating your stats. And that's the the worst way you can go down. And so but it happens, right? It happens to a lot of us, especially in baseball, because it's such a statistical game and a game of failure. Uh, so one of them is like, what has happened already in the game in these situations? I haven't gotten hits already and I need to get hit now and improve myself or redeem myself or be good for my teammates or whatever the other the mindset might be the second one and this one was a challenge is in baseball there's a lot of matchups and so I'm a left-handed hitter and for those of us out there who don't maybe understand baseball as much is it's harder for me to see a left-handed pitcher than a right-handed pitcher Right-handed pitcher is easier arm angle the ball comes in it looks better it looks easier to see it's less deceptive left-handed pitcher against a left-handed hitter it's like I'm cranking my neck and it's a lot harder for me to see that especially if their arm angle isn't uh easier to see and so uh you'll see a lot of times especially in the world baseball classic there's a left-handed hitter it happened uh yesterday japan and team mexico uh mexico brought in a left-handed pitcher actually a good buddy of mine and our one of my old teammates jojo romero he's left-handed pitcher really good to face shohei otani who's arguably the face of baseball all over the world and he's a left-handed hitter and he was facing three left-handed hitters, and somehow they still scored. But the first thought that goes into your mind is, oh, great, here we go, another lefty. This is good. I suck against lefties, yeah. right? And so they tap back into the past. Or I faced this dude four times. I've struck out all four times. I can't see the ball. He's got a filthy curveball. He's got a good fastball. I just don't see him very well. Like, those things happen versus also, like, seeing pitchers that you're like, I'm going to dominate this dude. But just a difference in my self-talk when I approach the plate in those situations. And so I think those are two of the things where we get caught in the past is what happened already this game. Like I need to eliminate that because it's not going to do me any good in this moment. This is my first at bat. The best advice I heard was, Hey, one for one, every at bat, each at bat's a new opportunity. Like you might go one for one, three times today. You might go one for one, no times today, but every opportunity is a one for one mentality. And then the other piece of, Oh man, this dude's filthy. I can't see him. He's really good. I've never gotten a hit off this dude. Here we go again. Now, of course, I got to face this guy. And now you're in this negative feedback loop that's telling yourself the wrong things. Yeah, that here we go again mindset is never, never helping your mental game. Easy to say. Yeah. And then lastly, before we get into the tools here, um, what might you, what do you imagine when a batter is distracted? So they're not even maybe thinking about the past or future, but they're just, their thoughts are irrelevant. They're not helping. And again, they're taking away their focus on what they need to be thinking about uh, what what are some obvious distractions a batter might face I think one is clear uh, from the crowd if you're focused on what the crowd is saying that is just irrelevant to your performance <laughs> yep. right now and not helping you uh any anything else jump out at you the crowd's funny because when you're in the minor leagues and you go to these uh, I don't want to say bodunk areas but there's a lot of small towns with people who love to drink beer and you'll get the beer batter and so all you hear on deck is beer Beer, beer, beer. And then the crowd gets louder and everybody's chanting beer. And the three-year-old over in the corner is chanting beer, beer. And you're like, dude, you're three. You can't even drink root beer yet. Like, come on. Um, so I think the crowd, man, the crowd noise. Uh, so you hear like an athlete get tunnel vision or they're really locked in or flow state or all the different words and phrases. But to me, it's just your peak performing state when you don't hear anything just because you're so focused on what you're about to do. So uh, that's the crowd's definitely a distraction. Coaches are distractions unfortunately is what does my coach think in the third base box or in the dugout what's coach thinking if I don't get a hit here am I going to hit later in the game uh 
is coach going to trust me to swing the bat or do I have to bunt? Is he going to give me the take one pitch or do I get to free and swing? Like there's so many little things in baseball that we don't even think about. And um, yeah. to the outside world, it's like I had no clue. Yep. And so I think those are all things with coaches. What do my teammates think of me if I fail again? I haven't gotten a hit in this situation in the last six games. I have, I've been struggling. I need to break out. Like, what are my teammates going to think if I don't get the hit? What are my parents going to think, right? A lot of parents put a lot of pressure on us. And so for some of these kids who are playing with that pressure, that it's tough. It's not easy because you've got like the weight of the world on your shoulders every time you step up to the box or you're pitching. And so um, what's mom and dad going to think, specifically dad in baseball? What's dad going to think of me if I don't get this out or if I don't hit the ball or if I don't succeed here? Is he going to yell at me or mother F me on, on when I get home on the phone? Like, those things are all distractions. Um, it could be weather, right? Weather could always be a distraction. Yeah. It's cold. My hands hurt. It's raining. It's been raining a lot lately this spring. And so a lot of athletes are dealing with that. Oh, I'm not doing good because it's raining or another rain out and all those things. There's so many distractions. Umpires, right? That comes into it too. How I feel on a specific day, because you know as well as I do, Gabe, you're, you're a great athlete too. It's like, you never know how you're going to feel. And some days you don't feel good. And some yeah. days you feel great. And it, like that affects how you feel in the box. If I don't feel good, it's hard for me to play good because I'm worried about how I'm feeling. I'm sore. I just don't feel right. Like my head's not right. Um, school can be a distraction. There's so many yeah. girls, right? Or boys for even uh, women's sports. So there's so many distractions that creep into this thing. But uh, I think the goal for us, man, is how do we just simplify our thought process, go back to what works, and then remember why we're doing it in the first place. And then we get out there and have some more freedom. I think it's really empowering to understand that all of the different ways the mind can go awry and become an enemy to your performance. It's the same solution. It's bring yourself back into that moment and understanding what do I need to do to succeed right now? What is the element of the process that I should be focusing on that will give me the best chances of success? So no matter where your mind is going, it's oftentimes a very similar solution for whatever's going on. And I think that can be really relieving to listeners because they might think there's 10 different solutions they need to learn to the 10 different obstacles that the mind goes through. But it's really not. It's not quite that complicated. Now, it does take some time to train the brain in this way to effortlessly come back to the present moment, come back to the process, and kind of drown out the noise. Um, but again, there's not, it's only a couple tools that you might find yourself using, and they can be so effective. Mm. And so before we get into the, some of these tools, a lot of these things that we've been talking about, thinking about um, the coach, your teammates, what they think about you, thinking about the past, not feeling like you were confident this game, worrying about getting a hit, and then thinking about the future, of course, what if I don't get this hit? What are people going to think of me? All this, all the ways your mind can start working against you. This is exacerbating the stress response. And I want to talk about this a little bit because it's really important in sports psychology. The stress response is a very normal response that your body goes through when you're you know, stressed out and something's important. Something important is going on that you need extra blood flow, extra nutrients to your uh, brain and muscles so you can think quicker, you can be stronger. There's a lot of important things that are going on in your body that you don't want to just be feeling like you're rolling out of bed and then going onto the field and playing a whole game of baseball. No, you need your body to ramp up some of that activity. So you should be thankful. Everyone's thankful for that. However, a lot of people don't Put that into perspective and they only think about it when that stress response gets overblown it's going into overdrive and that's because you're getting into the situation that has so much pressure that has a lot at stake so what ends up happening is the stuff that's helping you be a good performer is actually going to start hurting you 
the two examples that I think are most powerful and obvious are your muscle tension gets a bit too tense. So you'll want to increase your muscle tension a little bit because if you don't have any type of increased muscle tension, you might not be able to feel as strong, not hold on to the bat with a, a tight grip like you want. So there are definitely perks to this increased muscle tension. However, at a certain point, it gets to be so tense and tight that you cannot be as accurate, as coordinated as you want to be. And this is going to hurt your accuracy. And just being an inch off in baseball, trying to hit one of these fastballs is all the difference. So if that muscle tension is not in the sweet spot, it's going to be obvious. And then this is going to feed into the cycle of lower confidence because you don't feel good. And again, hurting your game all around. And then this can also affect your vision where some athletes might get really stressed out, really worried, and they get this intense tunnel vision where they might want to be focusing on different elements of the play. I think tunnel vision makes sense in baseball, especially being a hitter when you want to just be focused on that one little baseball. However, Austin, maybe you can help me understand, is it important to under to see where everybody is in the field, seeing like, oh, I want to hit it into this open spot. Even though I'm focused on the ball, I need to understand what's going on in my peripheral vision to help me get the most successful hit. There is before you get in the box. So like okay. for me, like if I'm stepping out of the box, right, when I walk up there, I'm scanning the field to see where my defenders are just for an idea of knowing. And here's why it's important is like, as you keep playing the game and you grow and you play it longer and longer, you start to create these habits. And for me, it's like, if I hit that ball to left center in that gap, there's nobody there. I'm going for three. Like I'm getting a triple on that, on that one, or, Hey, I'm hitting it down the line because they're putting this huge shift. Like we've seen now they're kind of eliminating some of that in the big leagues now, but um, at least in the world baseball classic, there's like four dudes on the right side of the field. There's nobody on the left side of the field. So if I can bunt, like maybe I lay a bunt or there's other things, but once I step in the box and it's me and the pitcher, it's me and the pitcher. That's where that television yeah. comes in. So that's really good. Yeah. So a player with an effective <laughs> mental game is going to scan as they approach the batter's mm -hmm. box. But then once they're in there, they have effective tunnel vision because that's what's necessary at the time. However, players with an ineffective mental game might be scanning the field as they approach the batter's box, but then they're still scanning. They're still thinking about maybe they can see part of the crowd and they're thinking about the crowd and the judgment. And basically the vision is again, hurting their mental game because that stress response is going out of whack and it's taking them away from what they need to do to give them again, best chances of success. And then this can also work the other way where you are. So this can happen where you get too much tunnel vision and you're not focused on your peripheral, but it can work the other way where I'm focused on way too much right now. I need to be dialed into just one little thing. And I'm just focusing on so much in my peripheral vision. And what this does is your brain is processing so much information. It, we have most of the sensory receptors in our brain are devoted to vision. I think it's 10 of the 11 million sensory receptors are about what we see. So if you're taking in unnecessary information of what you can see that is irrelevant, it's going to cause your brain to not work as efficiently as possible. It's it's definitely taking you out of a flow state. I think we can put it quite that quite simply. So a lot of the tools that we discuss are basically just managing that stress response, getting you back into the sweet spot of fueling your body with effective blood flow nutrients. So you can think quicker, be strong, but not too much to the point where you are taking in unnecessary information and gripping your bat too tight. So let's get into some of these tools. The first one I want to talk about is mental rehearsal. And a lot of people know this as imagery or visualization. I call it mental rehearsal because 
you it's really important when you do this exercise that you're using all the senses and imagery and visualization have this connotation of we're just imagining what we see but you also want to imagine what you're hearing in that moment what you're feeling even what you're smelling and tasting can help because the more realistic that experience is in your mind as you imagine it the more you're effectively preparing for that situation when it does come so so my first thoughts of mental rehearsal to prepare yourself and boost your mental game when bases are loaded is maybe you're in the dugout and you can see, oh, this is an opportunity that might be coming, or I do know it's coming. And then, then you can go into some mental rehearsal. Does that sound right? Um, does that sound like a good opportunity to do it? And maybe is it worth doing it when you're in the batter's box in any way? Yeah, it's a, in the, in the dugout's a great opportunity. You have an idea of what's coming. Uh, you can almost put yourself in situations that could potentially happen. If this guy walks, it has bases. Like you're determining the situation there on deck is a great opportunity because you're there. And so you start getting a feel, Hey, three, two count runners on first and second one out. Okay. Well, if he walks now it's bases juiced. I'm up there with one out. That thought process is different than if it's first and second two outs, because that guy just struck out. So in those situations, it's kind of seeing your plan, seeing what you're going to get. The biggest part with that, though, Gabe, and I've had the thought of like, what did I think about on deck? What was I thinking about in the box sometimes? Like, I'm seeing myself hitting the pitches that I'm watching right in front of me. Like, I'm watching this dude throw, and he's throwing this, this, and this, whatever he's throwing. Well, I'm going to envision myself seeing that, right? I'm going to get a feel of how they're pitching different pitcher or different hitters on my team. Like, what is his go-to pitch? What looks like it's good on that day or not? Because you can do all the analytics you want, but there's still a human component to this. And so, yes, he might have a really good curveball, but not today in elevation. In elevation, that thing ain't spinning like it does at sea level. So if Mm -hmm. you're in Nevada versus in San Diego State, that's a different curveball. Right. And so I've got to know these things going into the game. And and a lot of us don't even think about those things. So for me, it's, okay, what's his go-to pitch? What does the situation look like? I'm going to see myself getting the job done and attacking what I want to swing at. And are you doing that like in between pitches? Like, okay, he pitched and maybe it was a ball strike, whatever. And you're stepping out of the batter's box. Is, are you taking that moment of like, okay, let me close my eyes and do just a really quick mental rehearsal of this next pitch. Sometimes if I'm not feeling great, Uh, If I'm feeling good, then I guess I kind of am still, but I don't even care. I just get in the box. I'm like, I'm freaking ready. Well, I take my breath. I go through my routine and I step in. And I guess you're still seeing it. Something I like to do is I would touch the plate where I like it. So for me, I'm a left-hand hitter. I would touch the middle away part of that, the, the home plate. And when I would touch it there, then I would go through my routine, boom, nice and loose and relaxed. So I'm not tense and tight. I would kind of check myself because that was, I, I got to know yourself. And for me, I was, yeah. I was a big shoulder guy. So I would like get really tense and tight all the time. So all this speaks my language. And that just helped me relax, see my pitch, envision a fastball middle away that's in that zone that I'm going to put a good swing on. So you can definitely do it in between pitches. Here's what happens though, is a lot of athletes get sped up, rushed, or uh, too stressed. Like you said, the stress response. Now their head starts spinning out of control. The thoughts flood their mind. The floodgates are open. And now you forgot what you even do best. And so in those moments, it's so important to just go back to those tools to get yourself in that right headspace to see yourself swinging at your best pitch. I Is it true? So again, I'm not the, the baseball aficionado that you are. Is there enough time to do this mental rehearsal when you're at bat, or is this a really uh, a much better tool for the dugout when you have that space and, and time to do this exercise? Much better tool for pregame and dugout. Okay, but there's enough time within it to do mm-hmm. like a quick three to five second, like okay, and let me step out, fastball middle away, boom, there it is. Now I'm back in the box. 
a lot of people are, are complaining about the uh well, we've even gotten a lot of crazy tiktok comments and stuff like you can't do it with the pitch clock you know you gotta yeah. get in the box like okay <laughs> i get you i hear you but guess what you still got 10 seconds like it's not like you have to sit there and stand and be ready to hit immediately like you've got enough time to get in that box and collect yourself you can't tell me that you don't have time like that is just a complete lie and it's uh it's unfortunate but for us it's like man you still have a little bit of time but i would prefer i tell my athletes hey in the dugout's a great opportunity if i'm mm -hmm. a pitcher like in between innings when i'm sitting in the dugout and i'm just collecting myself you see two of the astros pitchers both latin dudes they started working with a sports psychologist in the dominican republic and it's changed both of their careers they're disgusting they're so good but they go in the box they do their breathing they're either meditating or mental uh rehearsal either one right they do both and so for them, that just gets them back to home base. As a hitter, in between innings, I can do that. Um, before the game, ideally, I'm doing some of that, whether I'm in the clubhouse or if I'm a high school player in the outfield or in the in the dugout even before the game starts, just to get my head thinking the right thoughts, right, and seeing what I'm supposed to be seeing. And then in the game, if you need it, like you can do it on deck or even in the box for a brief stint. But at that point, it's like, what do I want to swing at? What's my approach? What's the the situation? Let me lock into my pitch, my zone, and trust everything that I've done before this to prepare me for success. Uh, something I'm going to be saying every single episode is every athlete is different. The mental skills and tools that they resonate with and when they want to use them, it's going to be different with everyone. And the way you are going to figure that out is trying stuff. A lot of the times it's in practice. When you want to try this, you do not want to be doing these things for the first time <laughs> when bases are loaded in a high stakes moment. However, you will figure out, okay, I have my own kind of method. And while Austin might emphasize mental rehearsal in the dugout, hey, I like doing it at bats because that's what I find is making me a better player. Um, let's go on to the next tool, breathing. This is one that everybody, everybody hears about, probably ad nauseum at this point. And I think a lot of people don't understand the science behind the breath. So I'll, I'll take a quick moment to tell you that there's tell the audience there's an interaction between your breath and your nervous system that as you have this longer exhale especially if you're doing diaphragmatic belly breathing it's going to trigger a part of your nervous system that slows down activity now if your stress response is in overdrive and you do just this couple cycles of breaths where your exhale is longer than your inhale so maybe four seconds in and then six seconds out it's not going to put you in that sweet spot and it, you're not going to go, wow, I feel super calm right now. That might not happen. However, what is going on is you're managing the stress response. It's not going to be as intense as it was. And this can feed into confidence because now you're taking control of the situation and you will actually feel a bit better because that stress response is again, alleviated in some capacity. So um, can you speak about how batters can use breathing as a tool to boost their mental game in this bases loaded situation. Yeah. So it's just there, like you said, it calms you down. It slows the game down. You almost see things before they happen. And when you're in your best state of mind, that's what I, I see. It's like, I'm almost seeing it a split second before it even happens. And it's just because you're so locked in, you're calm, your heartbeat isn't, isn't uh, out of this world and you're just in the right state of mind, right? You're in an optimal performance state. And so if we're in those states of mind more often than not, it's going to give us a better chance to succeed in those situations. Like, but like I said earlier, you can do everything right and still fail and you can do everything wrong and still succeed in this game. And so um, that's the craziest part. So there's some give and take, but for us, let's just think about what the breath does. You said it best. Like there's that interaction with the nervous system brings more oxygen to the brain, allows you to think more clearly in those situations. So for me, it's, I can go in there with rapid heartbeat 
in where things are spinning out of control and my mind and my emotions are getting the best of me, or I can take ownership of that. And it comes from training that throughout the day and throughout your weeks and those things, you do skills and tools to do that. But in those moments, I've got to trust that, right? And so I had a, an athlete the other day told his dad, he's like, I'm really trying to do what Austin's telling me, but it's just not working. It's like, okay, well, it's been four games, right? Not everything's going to work. You're putting way too much pressure on yourself to succeed in the first place. And so let's just look at what, what it is. Like you're putting more pressure on yourself to get hits instead of have quality at-bats. And when we think about, I got to get the result versus let me just compete and have fun. There's a huge difference in how I feel and my heartbeat and my mental state and all of my things that I'm telling myself in my head. So uh, you're spot on, man. The breath is important. Um, you'll see a lot of big leaguers and college guys and girls too. Baseball, softball doesn't matter. They step out of the box, big, deep breath. They get back in. They get themselves ready to compete. I mean, the breath is one of my favorite tools because unlike mental rehearsal, it is even easier to use. You don't have to do this thing where you're closing your eyes and using a lot of power, a lot of brain power to imagine all these senses. The breath is always with you. Nobody can even know you're doing it sometimes. It's it's just so powerful. And it's it's a great anchor to that present moment because you can use it to lock into how it feels. And if you're focusing on one of your senses, you are in the present moment. And doing that while also managing that stress response, it's just a great tool. So yeah, and I love all the stuff you post on Instagram at Major League University. I love seeing all of the big leaders talk about how they use the breath in all these different ways. Um, that always, I think, helps the buy-in for a lot of these people. And they, they go, okay, maybe there is something to this. Oh, my mom's not just telling me to breathe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, I mean, I mean, this works in the dugout, trying to prepare for a big moment when you're nervous, going through some breathing exercises, but it is just as effective in your in-between pitches, stepping out of the batter's box, doing those breaths. Um, so this is just, a, a, again, a versatile tool that is important to practice and get comfortable with so that you can feel confident using it when the moment um, asks for it. Mm. Let's go to one of my favorite tools. I think I just like all these tools, actually. Um, <laughs> let's talk about body language. How can a player change their body language to boost their mental game during the situation? Oh, I love the body language, man. So if you think about body language, like the external reflection of what my body's doing is usually a, uh, or, or usually a direct reflection of the internal dialogue that's going on in my head and my heart. And so for me, man, the body language changes everything. Uh, we like to talk about it as like power posing. I know Tony Robbins talks a lot about like the power pose and some people are like, that's stupid. You stand like, oh, that's dumb. It's like, no, when I stand up and I, and at first I'm like, this is kind of weird. Like it's awkward, but then I keep power posing and I feel pretty confident. Like I feel way more confident this way than if I'm shoulders down, cocooned, head down, hands up, that mentality. So body language changes everything, man. It not only sends a signal to yourself, it sends a signal to your teammates and how you're feeling and your coaches. And so for us, uh, I love Derek Jeter as an example. You can never tell if that dude was was having a great day, having a bad day, having a good year, having a bad year. Like obviously he's had a lot of success and he's one of the best of all time, but there's a reason why in his mental game, was so strong. He wasn't necessarily the most talented athlete out there, right? There's hitters that hit for way more power and better hitters, better defenders, but that dude was just a leader and it's how he carried himself. And that's why he was so consistent. And he was the captain of the New York Yankees for so long. And so body language is important, man. I think for any athlete out there or family or teammate person listening, when I think about body language, like that is in my control all the time. And anytime I show bad body language, it just it lessens my confidence. It, it worsens my self-esteem. And you can tell that there's some doubt creeping in or negativity creeping into the mind. So for me, it's like fix your posture. 
fix everything else. And so if I can change my posture, the last thing I'll say on it, there's a cool study done. This guy, uh, he worked Dr. Christian Conte. He's a phenomenal practitioner. I love, he's just a great dude too. And he works with a lot of the university of Pitt programs, but he also does a lot of stuff in prisons, like some pretty severe prisons. And so he was doing some work in this prison and this guy was suicidal. He just did a lot of bad things. He was in there for life and he could, he can't, he can't handle the, the things he did. And all he said was, Hey, change your posture for a week. Don't do anything else. Just change your posture. I don't care what you say to yourself, what you do, like just change how you walk around because he's walking around, like dragging his blanket head down, really like shoulders over uh, inverted. And so he said, Hey, put your chest back or your chest out, your shoulders back, walk with your head up, not head down and try this for a week. See what happens. And his, his symptoms of depression and wanting to hurt himself significantly decreased just simply by changing his posture for the week. And so is it always that easy? No, you still got to be in control of it. But it's a it's a powerful tool that can really help you stay more consistent and level headed. And I think for some of those people that might have those concerns of like, oh, I don't want to be doing these these power poses, like I don't want to look yeah. silly or whatever. I think it's important to understand that you can be doing this while you're doing other things. So mm-hmm. whether it's other mental skills, like, okay, while I'm breathing, while I'm doing my mental rehearsal, I'm going to have confident, positive body language at the yes. same time. Or I think really important as you walk out from the dugout to the batter's box, that is like a very vulnerable moment where everyone's watching you like, all right, here's our next guy that we're going to be focusing on. I imagine if you can just trick yourself in this way of like, all right, I'm just going to show that I'm really confident. You're going to feel more confident in the process. So again, it's really easy to use. There's a lot of different ways you can use this body language. And, and I use the word trick your brain into feeling more confident, but I think it just changes this narrative in your brain. It It's convincing your brain to think a different way. Although it's very minor, it's not in this, you know, all cure all of like, okay, I'm not feeling confident. Well, now I put my shoulders back and down and I put my chin up and now I feel confident. It's not that simple, but again, it's a piece of the puzzle. It is moving your mental game in the right direction. Mm. It's helping boost it. It's not, you're you're controlling for any negative body language at the same time. So really easy skill to dial in. Everybody knows how to do this. It's really easy to learn. So definitely a lot of ways that athletes listening can work that into their mental game. Yes. Um, I want to talk about reframing. So this is more of a mental skill. It's not something that you can see anyone doing like breathing, body language, However, reframing is one of the most important tools athletes and really people can use to basically improve their self-talk. And we were talking for at least 10, even 15 minutes about all the ways your self-talk can go awry and start hurting your confidence and your chances of success at the plate. So anytime you can reframe what you're thinking into a more constructive or positive tone, it's going to boost your mental game. And I want to go back to what you said of the uh, the fear and the faith bucket. So a lot of players might be in the fear bucket of like, God, what if I don't succeed here? This guy's really good. All that what if thinking, I should have been practicing harder. I should have been practicing anything that you're afraid of. And then you reframe it and go, well, wait a minute. What if I do succeed? What if this does go well? Hey, I've trained really hard. I'm here for a reason. All these different ways to give yourself this evidence why you should feel confident. And another really great tip that I think a lot of people can take away when they're trying to understand how to reframe their thoughts is imagine that thought that you're having that is very ineffective to helping you be a better better performer. Imagine your friend is having that thought. What would you say to that friend? Mm. Because when you're thinking about how you would talk them down from that ledge of 
their mental game is taking a dip, you're probably using really effective reframing self-talk methods. So what, uh, what can you add to this reframing mental skill for athletes either before or before they go up to the plate or when they're at bat? Yeah, it's really good. This is 100% the most powerful tool and one of them at least. And so for, for me, it comes down to awareness. Like first and foremost, is I've got to be aware of those thoughts and what's going into my head. I can't control what's in my head, but I can control what I do with what comes to my mind. And so that's an important piece to know when we're recognizing thoughts and anything that doesn't belong there. It's like, I'm going to intercept it, get it out of the way, move it on, and then I'm going to replace it with something better. And so um, for athletes, when they're stepping up to the box or going, even in this big situation, anytime that you feel yourself thinking more negatively or those thoughts start coming into your head and you're listening to them more versus talking to yourself, I love that line of let me talk to myself more. It's like, what would I tell my friend who's struggling? Well, I'd say, hey, keep it up. You got this. Like, Be confident. Trust yourself. Have some fun up there. Like, This is a great opportunity. But when you're there, it's like, I suck. I can't hit the ball. I'm not going to make this. I'm not going to get this guy in, or I'm going to fail again. What am I doing here? I don't belong here. My scholarship's getting revoked. There's, you can go down the list in the rabbit hole of a million things. But for us, man, it just comes to being more productive. It's like, what words are going to serve me? What terms are going to serve me? What phrases are going to serve me? First, what's really destructive? And that's the, the fear bucket of what if I fail? What if I suck? What if I'm not good enough for this situation? So I think just feeding more of the pro, uh, productive self-talk of I can do this. I got this. Keep working one pitch at a time. You never know what can happen. Whatever that might be for you is important, but it all starts with awareness. I've got to be aware of it so that I can intercept it and then I can re replace it. So I like the little uh, acronym of breathe air. It's like a, acknowledge or awareness. Like, let me acknowledge it. I can't just forget about it because it's impossible. It's there. Got to acknowledge it, confront it. Let me get in the way of it. Number two, I'm going to intercept it like I'm a, a DB in the NFL and I and I pick six. And it's like, I see it coming. I don't want it there. So I'm going to pick it off. It's like, I'm going to pick that thing off, run it back. And then number three, I'm going to replace it with better self-talk, with a deep breath, with mental rehearsal, with some reframe, whatever else the, the mental skill might be. That's the athlete's choice. But for me, man, the reframing can change everything. And it changes the lens that I see my opportunity through, which also changes what I usually do with that opportunity and the outcomes that I receive uh, from that opportunity. So such a powerful tool, man. I love that acronym air. So awareness, intercept, reframe. I love the intercept visual because it's like, oh, I can see my mental game going in the wrong way with this ineffective self-talk. I'm going to intercept it and go the other way. And now yeah. I'm boosting my mental game. Okay. What am I going to tell myself? What's my reframing going to be? And I will say one of the most powerful ways to really hone the skill of reframing your self-talk is having a mantra. Now this is such a powerful method of honing your self-talk and be and becoming more focused and confident. We're going to have a whole episode diving into the mantra and how to develop your own, but it's not necessarily just a different response to every destructive or ineffective thought you're having. Maybe it's the same mantra that you have that always brings you back that you can rely on. But uh, again, another episode for another time. Um, the last kind of tool that I, we're going to talk about is the focal point. Um, do you want to speak to that and how you can how players use the focal point to boost their mental game. Yeah. So focal point uh, for me, it helped me. I know for some people it helps some people it doesn't. So everybody's different. And that's the encouragement here is like, just take something that you learn, take a nugget and see what works for you. Try it, right. Give it, give it some time. And if it works cool, if it doesn't work, try something different. And so focal point is, is it's just simply a target that we can look at to reset our focus in baseball. There's a lot of so focal points, softball, same thing. And so you'll see a lot of athletes find the logo on their bat, um, 
I don't know where I put my bat, but there's like a logo on the bat uh, for college was DeMarini for me for pro ball was old Hickory. And so I'd always find it right in the center of the bat. I would look at it, take my big deep belly breath, step in the box, get ready to go. Um, I've used the foul poles before. I know a lot of athletes use the foul pole and specifically like the top of the left or the top of the right field foul pole or like a corner of it. So it's very specific and just kind of sharpens your focus. I had a, uh, an athlete was he was triple a japanese dude i didn't work with him but my my old coach was his coach and he said he would step off the mound draw a circle on the back of the mound and then retrace the circle and his whole goal was just to reshift his focus and it was like a physical slash visual skill that he used in the queue to get him back to where he needed to be and it was pretty interesting just just showing how everybody does things differently and so uh to me man the, the focal point is important because it's something i can look at to reset when you see uh for instance adam wainwright again he would find a focal point he would take his big deep breath and then he would look back in look for the target and pick it up and go after it. And so it just helps kind of weed something into your routine. Yeah. Um, for some people, it's very effective. For others, it's like, yeah, maybe kind of hit or miss. But uh, if you trust it and you believe in it, it doesn't matter what you do, right? That I think yeah. that's important for people to know is if you believe in it and you trust it, it can work for you. I think the big point of the focal point is that it triggers this effective thinking. So maybe it's mm -hmm. part of that routine that gets mm -hmm. you into this thinking of like, okay, whenever I look at this, I also think this thought. And whenever I do that process, I'm more confident, more focused. Yeah. So let's kind of, the pre-hit routine is an important skill, important mental skill that I think a lot of people have their own routine. And I think I'd like to take this moment to talk about all these different skills and how they can work in to your pre-hit routine. So we can go through an order. Before you go up to bat, you're doing mental rehearsal in the dugout. You're getting that, you're creating that experience ahead of time. So you feel more prepared when you do go up to bats and it's not feeling as new and you're not processing as much information for the first time. Then you can go into this breath work. You can be doing this at the same time as doing your mental rehearsal. You can be doing this on your walk to the batter's box. And then mm -hmm. of course, stepping out in between pitches, doing this breath to manage that stress response that is probably overshooting a little bit right now. And then again, having body language, if that's your thing, having this confident body language that's going to just make you feel a bit better than you were if you weren't focusing on your body language. And this can also have an effect on the coaches, your teammates, making them feel more confident in seeing you look more confident. I don't know about, about you, Austin, but whenever I saw my teammates as an athlete look mm. confident, it gave me a sense of empowerment. So even if it's not working for you, like, okay, this I'm, I'm having great body language, but I don't feel any better. Well, at least you're helping your team in some way because they're feeding off of it in in some way and then all the while if you're having these spontaneous natural thoughts of worry whether it's in the past future or just distracted using reframing methods right so what if i succeed going into the faith bucket not the fear bucket and then of course tying in the focal point maybe the focal point is what happens before you start thinking all this or doing these mental skills to boost your mental game so it's all part of that pre-hit routine so a lot of people have their own stuff they do of like, oh, I'm going to unstrap my gloves in between pitches. And that can be really effective. However, it's really important to have purposeful components of your pre-hit routine. You're not doing mm -hmm. things just because uh, somebody else does them or a coach told you to. You're doing them because you know the effects of what it has on your mental game. So a lot of what we talk about here was managing that stress response, right? So I'm doing these parts of this pre-hit routine because I know what it's doing to my heart rate and my muscle tension, making me a better player. So the pre-hit routine is a really important skill that 
it doesn't really have this separate conversation, I think, necessary. It's really just tying in all these other things. Um, did you want to add anything, though, before we move on to our last little topic here? No, that's perfect. That is perfect. And I, and I think just your ability to get yourself under control, however that is for you and your specific, um, just kind of knowing yourself, right? If you know yourself and you know what works for you, as long as you can get yourself in control before you step up there, that's really important, especially in those big time situations. And then, so this last thing that we're going to talk about is after the hit. So basically, okay, either you hit it and you did what you want to do, great, or you didn't and you're feeling really bad. I want you to talk about maybe what happens when you don't succeed. However, I'm going to take a moment to talk about for the players that do get this hit, they do succeed. They were worried they weren't, they weren't going to, but it happened. It's really important to not forget about that play, that moment, because this situation is going to come up again where you're, the bases are loaded and you have this intense pressure and you're not thinking effectively. However, you can look back at this moment and go, wait a minute, I did succeed before this. I didn't just lose that skill. I can do this again. Basically, it's just giving yourself again more reasons to feel confident in a moment where a lot of players don't feel confident. So don't use those successes or don't let those successes go to waste. Catalog them, journal about them, reflect on them and remind yourself about those successes when you're in a similar situation. But maybe you can think, speak to experience or how you coach athletes now of, okay, they had quite an opportunity to put their team ahead with a massive momentum shift and they struck out. How do you coach athletes through that process? It's, it's really good. So a couple of things as a hitter is number one, did I swing at my pitch? If I swung at my pitch, then I gave myself a good chance to compete. Number two, was I on time with that pitch? And if I was, then that's a good thing. If I wasn't, then we know where things went wrong. And then number three, what was the result? So I could be on time and I could swing at my pitch and I could hit a ball, line drive to center field that gets caught and I'm out, which is pretty much a negative result, but also a really good at bad and something that you were supposed to do. You just got unlucky. And so I think just finding success with your perspective through that is really important for a lot of athletes is, man, okay, well, let's just dumb it down to these. It's like, that's when my pitch. No, I chased one over my head. Okay. That makes sense. Number two, was I on time? No, I was late. Number three, what was the result? I swung and missed and struck out because I was way too tense and putting a lot of pressure on myself to succeed in that moment. So I think just going back and walking them through their thought process, mm -hmm. were you thinking the right thoughts? Yes, cool, you're doing a good job. Were you not thinking the right thoughts? No, I wasn't. Okay, then that's where we can evaluate this. Uh, were we more focused on getting the hit versus having a good at bat? And if you would just ask yourself some of those questions, uh, it really just helps put things into perspective for them. And then, and then I think as a coach, the biggest piece is encouraging them that you're going to get more of those because athletes feel like it's the last time that they ever get that opportunity instead of like, Hey, you're going to get another opportunity like this probably tomorrow. Like yeah. you, you have a chance to do that. It, it will happen at some point. Like you're going to get another opportunity this way. Um, so when you get up there, like that's when you get another opportunity to go do this thing and practice some of the things we've been talking about. And like you said earlier, you can do all the right things and not succeed. Mm -hmm. And it's really important for athletes to understand to reward themselves for doing all the right things, even though they didn't succeed, because too many people are tempted to change things up, even though they did the right thing, but they want to change things up because mm -hmm. they didn't get that hit. And now they're actually lowering their chances of success in the future. So being able to just give yourself a pat on the back and, and think, okay, I was doing the right things. I went through my routine. I was locked into the timing of this pitch. I was reading it well that's going to that you're going to see the most mentally strong athletes having that type of mindset not beating themselves up unreasonably yes. so this is a great great episode bases loaded dissecting the sports psychology of it all um going back through those action items we got mental rehearsal maybe in the dugout in between pitches 
doing breath work to manage that response. Again, a longer exhale than your inhale, having confident body language to feel more confident and appear more confident to your team and coach, reframing unhelpful thoughts into more of the faith bucket, having, having faith in yourself and not thinking about why you should be fearful of this pitch. And using a focal point to trigger effective thinking and and putting mm. this all into a type of combination that is going to be your pre-hit routine that again everyone listening is going to have their own unique pre-hit routine that is going to leave them in the best mindset to facilitate higher chances of success that's all this is right so is there anything else you'd like to add before we we wrap up here no, this has been awesome, man. I love what you're doing. You're, you do a great job. Uh, this has been a, a blessing and a blast. I've had a lot of fun, man. And so I'm excited. I've took a lot of notes here too, of things that popped up from what you said. So I'm just excited for people to hear it, man. And for all that you're doing, you're doing a great job and keep up the good work, Gabe. Thank you so much, Austin. Appreciate it. And if people want to reach out to you, where where can they find you? Yes, uh, at Major League University on all platforms or at Austin Byler on all platforms. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn, everywhere. Uh, we need to get the podcast up and running again. But um, yeah, at Major League University, at Austin Byler, you can reach us at anyone. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you again for coming out. And yeah, we'll see you next time. All right. Yes, sir. Thanks, Gabe. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you took something valuable away from this episode. Stay in the loop by following the Sports Psychology of on your go-to podcast platform and find clips of each episode's best segments on YouTube, as well as Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Do you want to take your mental game to the next level? Try out one-on-one -on -one sports psychology coaching with me, Gabe Zellico, by visiting my website, zellicoperformance.com. You can book a free intro call where we'll discuss your goals, obstacles to success, and determine if we'd be a good fit to move forward. You can also email me directly at thesportspsychologyof at gmail.com regarding one-on-one -on -one coaching or the podcast. Links to social media, my website, and email are all in the description. Thank you again for listening.